Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another podcast. I'm Christina Vogt, Associate Editor of the Consultant 360 Specialty Network. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Tawandra Rao Consolo, who is an Assistant Professor of Social Welfare Science and Nursing at the Columbia University School of Nursing in New York, and an incoming Assistant Professor at the University of Wisconsin-Madison School of Social Work. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Today, we will be discussing her recent study, Barriers to Optimal Antiretroviral Therapy Adherence Among HIV-Infected Formerly Incarcerated Individuals in New York City, which was published in PLOS1. So first, you and your colleague noted in your study that individuals with HIV who were formerly incarcerated often have difficulty adhering to ART post-incarceration. Could you elaborate on this, as well as the four barriers to optimal ART adherence revealed in your study? Sure. So we were interested in discussing any challenges to transitioning into the community for uh, HIV-infected, formerly incarcerated individuals. So these were people who were getting out of prisons and jails in the area who had HIV. And we know sometimes with HIV, it can be a pretty complicated regimen. And it's a lifelong regimen at the time, so at the moment. Uh, so there is no cure for HIV. So these are people who have to take this medication regimen to stay healthy for a long period of time. So we know that it's a high-risk population. We know that they struggle a lot once they come home because for some of them, they've learned of their diagnosis while they were incarcerated. And so for the first time, they're learning how to manage this very complicated regimen. Uh, And a very strict one at that, you have to be at least 90 percent adherent to see some of the benefits. So when we began to discuss this with them, like what are some of the challenges that they've experienced, what are some of the barriers to maintaining sort of this optimal adherence that they do pretty well at sustaining when they're incarcerated, we were able to uncover four areas that they mentioned. The first one was just medication burden. Part of it is for HIV, their antiretroviral therapy can mean taking a single tablet or it can mean up to like three or four medications. And so a lot of them struggled with the pure number of medications that they had to take on a very regular basis, uh, sometimes three times a day. Sometimes it could be with food, sometimes without. So that was really a struggle for them. Also forgetfulness, a lot of them just mentioned, and people with other chronic conditions also have this struggle as well, but they had a busy schedule partly due to some of their community supervision mandates. So some of them were enrolled in substance use treatment programs. Some of them had to check in with a parole or probation officer on a very regular basis. Some of them had very strict guidelines for their housing environment. So sometimes their medication regimen sort of fell to the bottom of the list and they would just forget to take their medication very regularly. Also, a lot of them had mental health and emotional difficulties. Sometimes they were diagnosed with a psychological condition. Sometimes it was just based on the emotions, the range of emotions that they were experiencing based on their current status as formerly incarcerated, as HIV infected, sometimes as a substance user as well. So they were sort of coming to terms with what that meant for them as they were transitioning into the community. So sometimes their mental health was based on their medication, you know, their condition, just seeing the pure number of pills that they had to take, but also kind of reckoning with their condition and what that means for their life long term. Also, sometimes there was conflict or at least perceived conflict between substance use and medication adherence. Some of the participants got conflicting advice from medical providers. Sometimes they were told if you're going to use drugs, you know, you shouldn't be taking your medication. Sometimes it was the opposite. 
even if you're using drugs, make sure that you try to make your uh, medication a priority. But for many of them, they were choosing to uh, prioritize substance use. So if they were uh, using drugs and they were high and things like that, again, they wouldn't take their medication. It's like that wasn't a priority for them at the time. So those were kind of the four areas that we uncovered during the research. Those were the things that they mentioned they really struggled with post-incarceration. How can healthcare practitioners best support patients with HIV who are formerly incarcerated when it comes to care engagement and ART adherence, especially in reference to the interventions mentioned in your study, such as mobile-based text messaging reminders and programs that integrate substance use and mental health treatment into HIV-related care? I think for providers, and I'm sure some of them are already doing this, but just the recognition that this is a population that may need more closer monitoring. And it's not like their HIV infection can be treated in isolation. They have a range of comorbidities and they're also dealing with substance use and other things because they're transitioning into the community. So some of the basic necessities, you know, housing, food, and things like that, sometimes these are all things that they have trouble obtaining. So just remembering when they're being treated that there are a range of things that they are experiencing at the moment that may have an impact on their health as well. And for using interventions and things like that, what I noticed about this population was that mobile phone adoption was pretty high, even though some of them were still learning how to use their mobile phones. Some of them have been incarcerated for a very long time, so they were learning how to use technology. But I, I know that a lot of providers use text messaging technology for appointment reminders and things like that. So that's a tool that could sort of be expanded to promote medication adherence, in my opinion. What is the next step in terms of future research in this area? For future research, I really want to look at designing and testing interventions, medication adherence interventions for this population. I think that we need to sort of review a range of modalities to do that. I think some of them should be technology-based because uh, just sort of moving with the times. And again, this is a population that all of them had cell phones. And even though they were learning how to use them, it's not. it doesn't mean that we would have to use very sophisticated technology. These reminder systems and tools like that or things that could work. Also, kind of looking at interventions that help develop collaborations between different providers so that text messaging can be used collaboratively. So if you have someone who's there like as a primary care physician, but someone else may be a psychiatrist, if they could somehow form a collaboration where they could use the system to kind of give just general medication guidelines and, and general health guidelines as well uh, to this population, I think that may be beneficial. And lastly, what key takeaways do you hope to leave with infectious disease specialists and related healthcare practitioners on this topic? I think that for HIV-infected, formerly incarcerated individuals, there there's still very limited research and more information is needed to design interventions for this population. We really want to be able to use the most targeted and effective tools to promote medication adherence. I think for this study, it was just a reminder that HIV-infected, formerly incarcerated individuals have a range of unique needs and that their status cannot be treated in isolation. So I just think that this was a reminder that they have a range of needs that should be considered when we're trying to promote health and wellness among this population. Thanks again for joining me today, Dr. Raul Consolo. Thank you for having me. For more podcasts like this, visit consultant360.com.